Hello, and welcome to episode 233 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Joseph Dewis, creator of Crusade of Dracula on Kickstarter now. Joseph, thanks so much for, for joining us and coming on the show. Can we start off with a quick bio about yourself and the, the elevator pitch for this book? Uh, yeah, my name is Joseph Dewis. Uh, I'm an indie comic writer, publisher, and letterer, and uh, we mostly do horror comics, uh, mostly do one shots. Uh, this is our first mini series. And uh, the elevator pitch is basically if uh, Lawrence of Arabia worked for Dracula uh, as a secret agent. Very cool. That, that, that's an awesome sort of uh, tagline or, or elevator pitch. Um, so let's talk a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit of like uh, background. You said that you mostly do like horror one shots. Have you grown up as a uh, comic book fan all of your life or is this something you've you sort of come come in, into later? Yeah, uh, I started reading comics when I was about six. Uh, my my dad picked up a comic for me at a convenience store, which used to be able to do. And mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, World's Finest Comics number 299. The, uh, the cover has um, Batman with no shirt on about to uh, execute uh, Superman who's being held captive uh, with a giant axe. So, you know, somebody only knew those characters from Super Friends. Like, I thought that was really cool. <clears throat> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, do, you still, do you still have that book? It seems like it's vividly sort of in your memory, uh, the way you described it. Uh, no, I lost it, but I, I ended up just buy another copy later because uh, I wanted to uh, to just kind of remember what it was that I liked about it. It's really strange <laughs> to think about it. Think about the story now about this alien tree and and um, it's actually a multi part story which I hadn't read the first part of uh, when I uh, when I read it. it's like the end of a story. Um, I went back and read the other parts later, but yeah, it's just it's it's just really crazy like early eighties stuff, you know. Yeah, I uh, for me, my I I believe my first comic was probably like a like a GI Joe in like the 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 fifties sort of issue number. I bought it off of a spinner rack and um, in a drugstore and had, knew nothing about it. In this sort of you know, found other issues, read backwards, read forwards, you know, all kinds of stuff, just trying to just trying to put the story together. So it was a, certainly a different time where you just sort of. You just sort of dropped in at one moment and then you sort of figure way, your way out through, you know, going forward and going backwards and trying to, to put things together. Yeah. So you, so you, you saw G.I. Joe on TV and then you, and then you read the comic app. Yeah. Yeah. It was sort of the, I think, I think it was a, a gateway for, for a lot of sort of like eighties kids to sort of see the cartoon and then sort of see the, the, the book on the store and it, it, on a, on a spinner rack and realize there was, there was a lot more. Yeah, like you see the Super Friends TV show, then you get the superpowers action figures and the comic books and same for G.I. Joe and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all that stuff. Awesome. So, uh, you know, you have the the uh, the fandom, you know, the joy of reading comics, collecting comics. When do you make the decision that you actually want to become a creator and, and make your own comics? I pretty much made that decision when I was a kid, but I didn't really follow up on it for a long time. <laughs> um, uh, I, I thought about doing it and then um, it's kind of like, you know, I, I kind of realized that getting in comics is kind of hard. So I decided just breaking in is hard. So I decided to do short stories and then that was equally difficult. So I just decided I'm just going to do comics. It's what I wanted to do anyway. Um, and, you know, I'll just self-publish. 
Uh, that way I can get out the things that I want to say and get out the stories that I want to publish. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it took me a while. It took me until, you know, my wife is pregnant with her, uh, with our twins that I kind of realized that I was just kind of procrastinating on doing it. So, so I decided that was, um, almost, yeah, that was about eight years ago now. Um, I just kind of decided, uh, let's just go forward with it and, and see what it, the whole thing entails and try to figure out how to do it. Um, you know, it took me about, uh, probably four years after that, just to, cut, to come out with the first comic. Um, but you know, there's a lot of learning and everything involved. So, so, uh, did you, uh, when you made the decision to, to start making comics, um, did you either go the route of getting the sort of the how-to books or did you look at comics that you used to like and sort of try to reverse engineer um, uh, the books? Uh, I did both of them. Um, you know, I got several books uh, about just how to do it. It's, a lot of them were good. Some of them are not. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, um, you know, but at the same time, I kind of template some of these comics on on um, specific pre-existing comics um, because I want them to kind of look like the era in which they take place. So for this Crusader Dracula comic, I wanted it to kind of look like a Platinum Age comic. So I got a, um, it takes place in 1918. So I got this, uh, this Bringing Up Father comic book, uh, which is surprisingly cheap on eBay. Really nobody wants Bringing Up Father comic books, even if they're over a hundred years old. Um, but uh, but I kind of just kind of looked at that and was was you know, taking inspiration, not necessarily exactly copying, but um, just kind of looking at that and saying, you know, what can I do that in a modern comic that that sort of evokes this feel without being exactly the same. You know? Cool. So it sounds like from the the intro that you you gave us that you also sort of started off uh, slowly or, or or with smaller size sort of goals. Like you you were doing like one shots. Um, was that sort of to just sort of build momentum and, and figure things out uh, to go? Because you know a lot of the advice is sort of you know start off with your with your five pager, learn how to do that, and then sort of go for for stuff. Like, so was that your plan there? Yeah, pretty much. I, I also thought, you know, um, with mainstream comics now, it's really difficult to find self-contained issues. Um, I don't know how many times I tried to read something and it came in too late and I just kind of never finished it. <laughs> um, but I felt like, especially for indie comics, there's so much time, you know, self-published indie comics, there's so much time between issues. I really wanted to have everything self-contained in one issue, um, you know, so that you don't have to wait for the end of the story. Um, mm -hmm. And and, you know, I think that art of, you know, self-contained comics is something that's really uh, important to learn. Even if you're going to do something that's multi-issue, um, kind of understanding the economy of pages and page space. Um, I also did some anthology stories that were anywhere between three and eight pages. Um, just sort of getting the, the idea of like, you know, okay, you have you have limited space, you have limited budget, you have certain things you need to say in that time. Um, if you need to stretch it out, if you need to add those, those moments in there, you can, um, but, you know, just learn first, learn the art of actually telling a concise story uh, first. Um, and I think that's good advice for anyone. Yeah, I agree. There's sort of a, uh, a magic to being able to tell a story in a comic that finishes the story 
but also sort of allows for for more story to build out of it. I think of like a lot of old sort of or not old, but maybe some sort of you know, if you think about your 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 Spider-Man comic that you know I probably would have picked up on the shelf next to a GI Joe, like that would have told a a complete story in in that issue, but there also would have been little like bread, you know, crumbs for, you know, wrapping things up from previous issues and sort of alluding to like a larger world or things that might uh, might be coming up. So there's sort of a, a magic to being able to tell a complete story, but also allow it to, to grow, you know, address things and, and stuff like that. Yeah, there's um, um, one, we were talking about books about making comics. One of the books I read was DC Comics Guide to Writing Comics. And um, I talk about uh, the, the Levitz method where he had to juggle 25 characters and Legion superheroes. So um, what he did was he's, you know, had a main plot and resolved that um, at the same time as you're teasing like these B and C plots. And then next time you're going to have B plot be the main plot and you, and you rotate in a new C plot. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that uh, was, it's just a very fine balance of doing, you mm -hmm. know, um, <clears throat> in our first comic, which was uh, the order of Dracula, we is completely self-contained. Um, but, uh, it's about an Irish separatist who allies with Dracula to help him with his political goals and, um, really about the test of loyalty that he gets put through. And, um, then that was it. And that was, that was a story and I wasn't gonna do any more. Uh, and, uh, then I kind of realized that, you know, there's these characters have motivations, they have goals and, and we didn't really get to any progress on fulfilling those goals. So, so I decided um, to do Crusade of Dracula, um, which I originally also wanted to do in one volume, but it tended, ended up being really long. So um, I, I just split it into three pieces and it was, it was written completely uh, all together and it was uh, edited completely all together. Um, so it's really all one story um, and it's uh, got cliffhangers at specific parts. Um, the, the issues are a little bit oversized compared to your standard comic. Um, the first one's 44 pages and the other two are 36 and almost all of those are story pages and and um you know just to get that out in three volumes um where the natural story breaks kind of are there and um uh, you know just to and then you know as i was writing crusade of dracula it's like this is you know probably gonna be it and then i kind of realized that there's other stuff in there i probably <laughs> should expand on so but we'll come back to those characters in the world um eventually yeah so it seems like uh dracula is something that uh really speaks to you what was your first sort of exposure to, to dracula was it the the bram stoker novel was it maybe like a like a movie like a saturday afternoon movie or anything and like that it was the 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 universal studios the original um 1931 i want to say dracula um <clears throat> Because uh, I went through this period in high school where I just decided I was going to watch all the Universal Monsters movies. And um, I also watched um, all the Godzilla and King Kong movies, not to mention Police Academy. <laughs> but uh, I just decided, uh, um, you know, I, I have a driver's license now, so I'm going to go to Blockbuster. I'm going to rent some stuff. And, and that's what I did. And <clears throat> I was also working then. And when you're 16 and you're working, you don't have any expenses. So it's like, let's go rent some movies, you know. So, um, so that was kind of where I, I did, um, but I was already, already familiar with the character because when I was a kid, I got a, a coloring book. It was like a universal monstrous coloring book. And that's actually where I first heard about all these characters, you know, 
uh, it's it's so strange to kind of think, take something like that and make it for kids. But, you know, they had like little puzzles and crosswords and um, trivia, you know, trivia. I didn't know I had answers to any of those trivia questions, you know, but uh, but the answers are in the book. So uh, that's how you learn. Um, and, you know, then after that, <clears throat> you know, several years later, I kind of decided I was going to watch the movies. Um, then I read the book and then um, eventually saw the 1992 remake and you know, several other, the Hammer movies, uh, which were the specific um, influence for Order of Dracula. And, um, you know, then I read about a historical figure, uh, which the historical figure is probably the biggest influence uh, on Crusade of Dracula. So Dracula is public domain um, because of sort of the, the time that it was written. And so now anybody who wants to, to use it can use, uh, use that. Um, do, is Dracula the only public domain figure here or do you sort of weave them in and out with some other um, figures in the stories? Uh, well, in Crusade of Dracula, we also use Scheherazade who was the, uh, the narrator of the 1001 Nights, uh, 1001 Arabian Nights. Um, and then um, we also use historical figures. And um, I, I also have a comic called uh, Super Heresies where we use public domain superhero characters, um, which we'll come back to those uh, pretty soon too. So, um, so yeah, I use a lot of public domain stuff. Um, you know, it's just there, so we may as well use it. Um, and just, you know, the best part is you can do anything wrong with it. You can keep it the way it was, you can change it. Um, everybody can do their own interpretation. So it's, it's what I like about that stuff. And you also said that you sort of the, the real Vlad the Impaler um, had some influence on this. So do you, are you doing like uh, internet searches and like going through his, his wiki and seeing like that, you know, that there's an interesting thing here that he did, which, you know, sometimes the, the old adage that truth is uh, stranger than, than fiction. And you're like, oh, wow, this is a really cool sort of story beat or a really cool aspect that I could add here. Yeah, I started with uh, with internet sources, and then I went and read a couple books. Um, one is called Track of the Prince of Many Faces, which was kind of our main uh, source. Um, we also use one called In Search of Dracula. They're by the same set of authors. Um, the, these guys were kind of the first people to bring the the true story of Dracula to the Western world. Um, you know, uh, Bram Stoker actually did some research. Um, and, and brought in some historical uh, aspects to the character. Um, but you know, for a long time, people kind of thought it was a fictional character and, um, and not in Romania, but you know, outside mm -hmm. people certainly did. And um, so uh, it, it's interesting that the authors are, one guy is actually an indirect descendant of Dracula and the, and the other author is, uh, is, a, uh, is a, is an indirect descendant of Bram Stoker. So they, they, uh, they kind of have a book called In Search of Dracula where they talk about the process of taking a fictional Dracula and how they found the historical Dracula. And then um, Dracula Prince of Many Faces kind of goes into a lot more details about his life. And they, they did all this research, um, you know, mostly in Europe um, about, uh, it, you know, and they had to, had to learn several different languages. Um, about you know this guy and who he was and so what we do in um in crusader dracula is we we actually recount his his life not his entire life but um pieces of his life that have to do with the ottoman empire and um so we have flashbacks in the first two chapters 
of Crusader Dracula where he's recounting his life story to Scheherazade because he wants her to help him. Okay. And, um, and uh, in our story, Scheherazade is an un undead being and she has to collect stories in order to keep surviving. Uh, so, she, so he tells her this, you know, this story of his life and that kind of informs um, the present day story uh, and in terms of, you know, in, in our story, Dracula is basically the same as it was in life. Um, he doesn't he doesn't solve problems using brute force. He uses uh, political uh, machinations instead. Um, he doesn't uh, really like to display what his powers are. He likes to keep people in the dark about what he's capable of, and he gathers together a lot of people who can kind of do his dirty work for him. <clears throat> because Good. after all this time, you know, he's he's learned intellectually after dying, but he hasn't learned anything emotionally. So he's still hung up on the Ottoman Empire and he still wants to destroy it. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, you you said that you'd had some other, you did it, was it Order of Dracula first and then Crusade of Dracula? Yeah. Um, is the art team uh, the same for those books or do you have, uh, you know, different components of, of, of art teams for, for these books? Uh, we switched art teams between them. Um, so the first one... Um, is uh is actually kind of we wanted it to kind of be reminiscent of the hammer movie so it's it's like in full color and and everything um well it has a flashback some grayscale and um then the second one i kind of wanted to look a little different more like a 1910s comic so we switched our teams actually have two line artists had one that was illustrating the 15th century scenes and one that was illustrating the 20th century scenes um, and of course, we didn't need a color since we did Crusade Dragon in black and white. Okay. Um, and did you did you know these these folks before, or was this like an internet search and you sort of you know put out a, a posting somewhere saying, "Hey, look, I'm a writer. I'm I'm looking to to create this property and and, and stuff like that." How was the the process of finding the people who were right for this for this book? Uh, well, Order of Dracula was the first comic, so I I just kind of looked on on online for people. Um, I found Don Cardenas um, on Twitter and he ended up being um, the line artist for Order of Dracula. <clears throat> um, for Crusader Dracula, I just picked people that, since it was so long, um, I wanted to work with people who I knew would be on time and would be um, just reliable to get it done. <laughs> and and <clears throat> so I worked with um, a couple of artists that I worked with before. Um, Greg Warnchak, the, the first comic I did with him was Bless the Children, which uh, was a, a horror Western story we did. And um, he's also done several other comics for me in the, in the meantime. So I, I picked him because I, I knew he was just, he was exactly the style that I wanted. And he was also just, he's also just a, probably a really, really reliable artist. One of the most reliable ones I've ever met. Um, and then I also used, um, uh, Raul or De Crespo, who is was our artist for Doctor Orange, which is our psychological horror comic, um, <clears throat> and I, I used him for pretty much the same reason. But I, I wanted a separate style for the flashbacks, and his style is a little more detailed um, than uh, than Greg's. Greg, Greg's is sort of um, more uh, storytelling oriented, um, and um, you know, uh, Raul's is a little more detail oriented. So. I kind of wanted them to look a little bit different, uh, the style. So, so I picked somebody who was just looked a little different and it would make it obvious when we switched between flashbacks and the present day story. 
So that was sort of always uh, a decision that you wanted to have two artists to handle the different uh, the different uh, time frames. Yeah, yeah. Um, since we don't have color, you know, I, I kind of wanted to um, make sure that it wasn't confusing. Um, you know, something else from the because we have a timeline that really goes back and forth a lot. Um, not just with the flashbacks, we have kind of many flashbacks in there too sometimes. Um, <clears throat> so I use headings kind of showing where we are in time and space and also um, and also switch artists. Um, I also uh, put a timeline at the end of books one and two uh, because they were just kind of just making sure that everybody knew exactly where everything took place. I don't know that's really necessary, but um, we didn't do that in book three because it pretty much all takes place linearly okay. um, and it almost all takes place um, in the same location. So uh, <clears throat> I just, uh, you know, that's something else I got from DC Comics Guide to Writing Comics. I remember, you know, Danny O'Neill wrote that. He said, sometimes you even want to put like a person's head floating over there, you know, telling you <laughs> where you are, um, which I've actually done in other comics and doing this one though. Nice. Yeah, I think that's one of the magics of the 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 comic story. The you know the form of comic storytelling is is that you know maybe in a movie you sort of you know if they do a flashback we're sort of keyed into sort of like a change in like the way everybody dresses or you may maybe they change the tone of like the the color or whatever. But like in comics you can be like, all right, this is page one. This is drawn by you know, this artist with this clean art style, I'm in my present day. And then I flip the page and without even sort of having to be told that that shift in art style tells you that that something's different here, like right away. And then, you know, maybe there's a caption box or maybe you're just sort of dropped into it, but you're able to communicate that with the art shift. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did put headings on there just to make sure that nobody was really confused about where we were. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I did. I did have. Um, I did have uh, Chuck Pinot. He edited my um, my scripts, and he didn't seem too confused by it. So I think that's probably good. Nice. And uh, what's your 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 you know your writing method? Are you are you full script? Are you sort of general outline, Marvel method? Uh, how how do you handle that? Um, I like doing full scripts because it, it helps me to kind of understand the page space better. I think even after all this time, it's it's hard for me to kind of visualize it. Um, uh, just kind of coming from less of a visual arts background. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it kind of helps me sort of budget where the, you know, where the balloons go and where the captions go and, and how much is realistic to get on a page. Um, you know, and then I think about, you know, I went through the script and I think some of the last edits I did were, were splitting up some of the pages. Um, it's kind of, um, I think you're supposed to make stuff shorter when you edit. We usually make it longer. <laughs> um, because I tend to kind of, you know, I've been reading a lot of Golden Age comics and they're getting like eight to 11 panels on a page. Um, <clears throat> but, um, and, 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 you know, I love that economy of storytelling where you can read an entire story in, in, in eight pages or seven pages. Um, but, um, you know, for this, I didn't, didn't, didn't necessarily want to be that compressed. Uh, so, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure that uh, we're not, I'm not trying to put too much on a page or I'm not trying to put too little on a page. You know, I've read some of these comics. Um, I know some of the Marvel Star Wars comics are like this where you, where you like, it was three panels on one page and I had three dialogue levels on the whole page. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's every page in the comic, you know, 
So, uh, you know, that, that kind of frustrates me. I don't know if it does this casual comic reader, but you know, if I'm, if I'm looking at it and you know, the first two pages, the first page is a, is a credit is a, um, is a preview sand page. Pages two and three are just the logo with no art, you know, and then page four, I get three panels and I get three panels for the rest of the comic and a third of the comic is ads. You know, I kind of feel like um, they could use that space better. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, did you make any sort of, uh, for, for lack of a better term, like rookie mistakes when you first started writing? Because I know for myself personally, one of the first things that I wrote I jammed every I, 15 panels per page and the artist came back and he was like, nope, not, not going to happen. So like anything that you've learned over time that you sort of, um, you may, you made some mistakes early and, and now, you know, to, to stay away from those. Um, yeah, I think I've tried to put fit too many words on a, in a panel before. I think I'm pretty good about it now. Um, but, um, I think also, you know, we do books at different sizes and, and, and you need to take that into account. Um, you know, if you're doing a magazine size comic, you actually have more space on the page. Um, okay. And and um, if you're doing a manga size comic, you have less space. And it doesn't matter that much for the artwork, but it matters a lot for the for the uh, the lettering. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I think that one thing. Another thing that I like kind of overused a little bit in Order Dracula was sort of the same. Um, I have a couple a couple scenes in there where there's a guy being interrogated in jail. And it's like the basically the same panel over and over, um, which I thought was kind of was kind of cool because you know you're looking at this guy being interrogated sitting across the table, um, and there. But you know I kind of look at it now it seems kind of boring. Um, maybe that wasn't the best the best idea, so I kind of try to avoid that now. Um, just reusing the same exact perspective over and over, and it was completely my fault because you know that was what I told him to do. Um, <clears throat> um, but yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's always stuff like that. Um, things you kind of look back on and like, uh, maybe I should add more panels on that page and maybe I should add fewer, you know? Yeah. So, uh, how about like work process? Like once you, you know, you've got the, the script done, um, and you turn it over, are you getting like thumbnails, pencils, um, you know, inks at each stage or, uh, or has it evolved over time where you guys have sort of built up a relationship or is it still sort of like, all right, we're good here. Let's, let's progress. Um, how, how are things, how, how did things start and how are they, if they haven't changed or if they have changed, how have they changed? Um, they pretty much haven't changed. Um, we really just uh, look at the pencils first. And if there's anything glaring that needs to be changed there, uh, change that before the inking stage. Um, and then once the inking stage is done, it's, pretty much done. Um, sometimes I look at the inks and there was something I can really make out in the pencils and I kind of have to change the inks too. But um, most of the time, you know, the inks are pretty good. And, and I, you know, I have really have just really handful of artists that I work with really regularly. Mm -hmm. And I think we kind of understand at this point, um, they sort of understand what I mean in my scripts, um, even if I'm not like 100% clear on it. Um, so it's, there's usually very little change um, once we get to the inking stage, at least. Nice. And so, um, you know, and, and one of the other questions I ask people is like, you know, th there's a magical moment as, as a writer where 
um, you get some, you get a notification, you know, either an email or a text that, that there's a new page. And this is something that you've lived with in your mind's eye for, for so long. And then you sort of open it up and there it is. Like, do you have these sort of moments? I, I know I'm, I'm, for myself that I, I've been amazed at either it's really been one of two things. The artist has almost amazingly captured that image that was in my mind's eye, or they've taken it and they've improved on it so much. Like, have, have you had those sort of, of moments when you, you know, notification, new page, you open it up and you're like, oh my God, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah. Um, it's usually the second one. <laughs> uh, I think my imagination is good enough uh, for these artists, but uh, yeah. Uh, I look at it and I'm like, well, that's actually much better than I had thought. Um, that's why I leave a lot of stuff like the panel sizes and the, um, you know, the perspectives and stuff like that. I, I leave a lot of that stuff to the artists and just say like, you know, just do whatever you want. And then, and if you need to increase or decrease panels or whatever, just do that. Um, and, um, and, you know, they're always better at than I could possibly be. So I look at it and, and uh, I'm like, wow, that looks way better than I thought it was going to, you know. On the flip side, do you ever sort of, when you're doing the script, do you ever get like an idea of like a camera angle or, or something like that and just throw it in and say like, hey, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is a suggestion, you know, take it, take it that way. Like, do you ever sort of, as you're, you know, doing the panel descriptions uh, and, and stuff like that, do you ever go, you know, this would make it cool as like a close in shot or this would be good as like a, you know, looking down, like, do you, do you ever have those moments? Yeah, I do that uh, sometimes. Um, it's pretty rare, um, but yeah, sometimes I do do it because I just, I have an idea that um, is just something that I think is really good. And sometimes it's stuff the artist has missed. Um, I actually, we did this comic, uh, Super Heresies, in the first comic, uh, the first, um, actually I think it's the second page when we introduce most of the characters. Um, it's when, you know, two people have been killed and everybody's looking over the bodies and, and um and the artist kind of drew them as from the back. And I was like, this is the first time we're seeing the characters. Just let's just see everybody's face, you know? Mm -hmm. So we did like a whole 180 on the camera angle and, and it looked a lot better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty rare. Um, most of that stuff, we just leave it to them and they'll, they'll, they'll come up with something. So Cool. So let's turn our attention to uh, a Kickstarter and, and running a Kickstarter. Um, this Kickstarter is um, labeled as Crusade of Dracula one through three. So I'm assuming that you have, you know, uh, catch up tiers um, for folks that are just discovering it here. And then you sort of have the option for people who have been going along to, to come in at the point that they're at. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and also, you know, for people who maybe got the first one, but not the second one or the second one, but not the first one, you know, we have, we have add-ons for if, you know, you, you, you didn't miss the whole thing, but you want part of it, um, you know, you can just add that on, whether it's a print or a PDF. Awesome. And have you, I know running a Kickstarter is almost like a full-time job and it's sort of a chaotic time. You take everything sort of, uh, at least for, I'm speaking for myself, I take everything sort of like really personal and I'm like, oh, does this person know that this is here and all this kind of stuff. Have you noticed like when you see a, when you see a backer come in, do you do like a, like a mental count? Like, okay, I know that this person has, has been with me before and this person looks like a, like a new person that's just discovering it here in, in issue three. Like, are you mentally doing that or are you like 
or do you have like a record keeping system good enough that you're like, okay, this is a new, new backer, um, returning backer? Yeah, I I um I sort of mentally do that. I recognize most of the people, um, people's names who come back, mm-hmm. um, and you know I'm I'm good enough at it at this point. This is my ninth one where, um, I kind of realized that you know just not even having to look at the analytics or anything, just kind of realizing whether new people are really seeing the page, um, and and whether the things I'm doing to get the people back are working. Um, so, uh, yeah, so especially like in the beginning of this campaign, I saw a lot of familiar names and, and, um, I wasn't really seeing, you know, the, the new people coming in. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, I pretty much keep track of that. And then if it's something that I missed, like when I, when I go and do the fulfillment, I'll, you know, I'll remember the real names, remember the addresses, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it'll, and it'll pop up when I, when I try to put it in and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this person again, you know, um. So I don't, I don't really, I don't really like have like a record keeping system. I do have a mailing list, um, but not everybody is, is on that. So. Sure. Yeah. I know that uh, I, I think I recently received uh, an email from you from, from your email list. Um, so you're using that to, to get the word out. Are you, do you go back to like uh, Crusader Dracula one, two and say, Hey, you know, backer update here just in case you're unaware of it you know threes live are you like using those existing projects uh as a as a way of sort of making sure that the you know anybody who's out there knows that the the, the project is is there yeah i'll do it a couple times during the campaign I, I see a lot of people do it like every every update they do to the main campaign they'll do one for the others but i don't really do that like i'll, I'll just send a couple of reminders during the campaign um just because I don't want to kind of abuse that. Uh, um, it's not supposed to be used for that, I guess. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I, I do that a couple of times. I've probably done it more of this campaign than I have previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I think I've done it three times this campaign. Um, I may, may do it one more time before we're done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, like I, I feel like some people go through their entire lists of previous backers and like message everybody. I, I don't do that. Um, so I don't know if that's the best idea, but, but, um, but I do sometimes like I'll be going to a campaign and I'll say, Oh, you know, I, I know this person really wanted to finish reading this comic because of what they said to me. You know, I know the person wanted to finish the story, but they haven't backed yet. And, you know, I'll give it most of the campaign. And if they haven't backed, then I'll, then I might shoot a message and just say, you know, Hey, I remember you said you liked this comic and you wanted to finish reading it. Like here's the new Kickstarter. If you didn't know about it. Um, but yeah, I try to limit that. Um, and I really only target it to, to very specific people, you know, like I, I don't, I don't just go and just mass message everybody. Um, I actually realized with this latest Kickstarter, now you can actually just press one button and, and, uh, and message all your backers all at once. So I don't think they had that before. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, uh, I think I have a similar philosophy. Um, I might hit those, um, previous, um, campaigns um once maybe twice throughout the the campaign but it's certainly something that i don't want to hit really uh too often um because then it's sort of like um you know you you have to play this delicate game of, of being in people's inboxes but not being in their inboxes too much so i think we have similar philosophies there yeah definitely 
are you doing anything as far as um, uh, like Facebook ads? I know, I think you're also sort of like utilizing like Kickstarter, Facebook comic making groups, like you're, you're posting in those, right? Do you, do you find any, any traction from, from that? Uh, not much. Um, I think I, I, I don't do that that much compared to some of the people I, I I've done it a little more, I think this one than I, than I have previously. Um, part of that is I've, I really haven't worked at all during this campaign um, and I'm not actually going back to work until the 16th. So I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be uh, pretty much not working for this entire campaign, which is not planned, but it's just the way that it turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so I think I've done it a little more, but you know, usually I try to limit that because it doesn't, it's not as far as um, efficiency, you know, using your time efficiently. I don't mm-hmm. think it's very efficient to do it. Haven't got a lot of backers from doing that. I think the main thing it does is like, it kind of reminds other comic creators that there's this going on because they're doing the same thing <laughs> and, uh, and they're seeing it and going, Oh yeah, you know, we should cross promote or, or um, maybe we should back this. And, and I, and I think that, uh, cause I get those notifications all the time of people posting on those groups. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's very effective. I, I I've actually done entire campaigns and not done it at all. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I don't really use ads. I feel like it was, I tried to use them before, but I don't think I really ever figured out how to do it right. So. Yeah. I, uh, I, I again, I, I probably agree with you. Um, I I'll, I'll post in there um, when I'm running something and I'm not sure that I get a lot of traction, but also it's, it might benefit me in that like somebody um, cause I tend to write like a lot of like sci-fi comics. So somebody who has a Kickstarter going on, that's, you know, sci-fi based, they might contact me and be like, Hey, let's, let's cross promo with, with our, with our stuff. You know, that, that might be something that is a benefit from there. Um, so that made me think of something. Are there like, um, like Dracula sort of like fan groups like facebook pages or, or, or stuff that you might say hey you know you guys are into dracula um i got this book like are, are you are you are you doing things like that um a little bit not too much um most of those it's kind of against the rules so okay i think um but yeah there's a few of them that are like horror groups um it's i, I don't know if it's I, I try to put stuff in horror groups um there's a handful of like horror comics specific groups um, and those are really cool. Um, but then there's like most of the horror groups that really just focus on movies. Um, okay. and if it's not movie related, I don't care about it. <laughs> and so um, I try to, you know, I've actually gotten sort of better response from the comic community than I have with the horror community. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a handful of those. Some of them are like so specific. You just, there's no point in doing anything there. Like there's one that's just about, about the 1992 Dracula movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, um, you know, so there's, there's a, a lot of them are just very specific like that. Some are about universal monsters. Some of them are about pre-code horror movies, uh, which those are cool, but it's, you know, it's not going to help me too much. And so, and then a lot of them just sort of forbid you doing, you know, advertising anyway. So, um, so I do a little bit, but nothing, nothing really big, you know? Yeah. I I think it's sort of kind of bad form. Um, you know, if your first post in the group is like, Hey, this is the thing I'm selling. Like, you know, it might work a little bit better if you're sort of an active member who's, who's, who's adding value through, through other things, as opposed to just showing up and, and the, and the first thing you're posting is like 
buy my thing, you know? So that's, yeah, I agree with you there. So this is issue three. um, And I think you said early, this is sort of going to to wrap up this sort of story, correct? Um, Do you have... Uh, do you have sort of the, the, the next thing you want to work on sort of in your mind or do you, are you actually sort of, you know, behind the scenes while you're, you're doing a Kickstarter, you know, formulating the, the, the next thing, like, uh, what, what are your future plans? Yeah, I've got a couple of comics actually in the works already. Um, one is Super Heresy Showcase. It's kind of a, Super Heresies was our comic where we had public domain, um, superheroes and this one is um we take some of those characters and we we give them solo stories um you know last one we had one team story one sort of duo story and one um solo story so this one we just give everybody solo stories um and we there's going to be four stories in that so i kind of lean into my strengths of writing short stories and so it's going to be four short stories um kind of in that golden age style um and um so two of them are done um one is being the art is being done um and then the last one i I have to the script is done i just have to get the art going on that um and then uh and after that we're going to do um two eye tales magazine Uh, we did a comic called two eye tales um kind of did it in a manga format and it's a black and white um short story collection and uh so we're going to do one that's in sort of the 1970s horror magazine format and a magazine style um with probably three stories in that. Um, those are all scripted. One is done. Um, so two, we need to do two more, but yeah, that'll be our next two things. Uh, I, I think it'd be good for me is kind of take a break from the longer stories and, and do these corner, these, these short story collections. Um, and then we'll, we'll see from there. <laughs> is that sort of your creative flow is to have these things in various states of, of production? You know, you have, crusade of dracula which is sort of in the crowdfunding i'm going to get this out phase and then you have things that you're scripting things that artists coming back on so that's sort of your your creative flow there yeah pretty much um i i don't you know i spend so much time working or taking care of my kids um and then when i have time to spend on comics i i mostly spent it on kind of trying to get the word out approving art and stuff like that um I don't, I don't spend a lot of time writing. So I tend to dedicate about a month of a year kind of to just do some writing. And, and then the rest of the year, I just try to kind of move it forward, you know, um, time and money always limiting factors, but, um, but yeah. Um, so that's, you know, I want to, I want to be able to, to kind of do, you know, right now I do two Kickstarters a year about, um, Let's see if I can do more than that, but uh, I don't know if it's going to be realistic, but um, at least keep on the two schedule um, and, you know, do one early next year, do one late next year. Very cool. So that was pretty interesting when you said you sort of take one month to sort of dedicate to, to, you know, to writing. Um, Are you like throughout the the year, those other 11 months, are you sort of keeping like, like a notebook or like a file so that like if a thought pops into your, to your mind, you sort of, you know, you're, you're jotting it down. So then when that one month of, of, you know, solid, you know, I'm going to crank out these stories. I'm going to get into a lot of detail. You're like, okay, let me refer back to, to my notebook here where I was like, okay, this is a Dracula idea. Like, so you, you're keeping that throughout the year. Yeah. I have a, I have a spiral notebook. I keep stuff in. Um, it's, 
you know, it's probably maybe not the best thing in this age, but uh, that way I kind of can bring it to and from work with me. And if I have some ideas at work, I can write it down. Um, and then I also, you know, I, I don't totally stick to that one one thing. Like if I, if I have something where I'm like, oh, I should do four stories in this comic instead of three. And, and um, I, I realize that and then I, then I might do it out of cycle, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's what I do. I just kind of keep that there. Um, and I have even more ideas that just kind of in my brain, you know, um, and they, they just kind of circle around. And, um, you know, a lot of times um, I work out that stuff over the period of months and years and I have scenes in my head and plot points and I try to figure out where they work or where they don't work um, before I even take pen to paper at all. Do you ever have like a eureka moment when the notebook is not by your side and you're like, okay, I have like, you know, you know, there's a, there's a story, there's sort of like always a story of like, I'm mowing the grass. And then all of a sudden, like the, the way to, to break the story popped into my head, but you know, that notebook is, is not next to me. So, so how do you handle those moments? Um, I just kind of keep repeating it in my head until I can remember to write it down. (laughs) That's pretty much all I do. Awesome. So, you know, this book is is super exciting. You know, I've been on board on issues one and two, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to three. So as we close up here, um, can you let people know where the best places to, to find you online is? Yeah, um, we have two Facebook pages. We have uh, Heresy Studios LLC, uh, and we also have The Order of Dracula. Uh, and then um, on Instagram, I have Heresy Studios LLC Comics. Um, Twitter, I have Heresy Studios LL. And then um, I have a website, um, heresystudiosllc.com. Um, and of course, our Kickstarter is at www.theorderofdracula.com. Very cool. So I'm going to put links to, to all of that stuff in the show notes. So for anybody listening who just wants to call those up, scroll down, hit the link, we're going to make it as easy as possible for, for them to get there. Um, and the other thing I want to do as we close up is I want to let you, uh, you know, give us that. I know you gave us the elevator pitch. Let's let's do that one more time and maybe go like a little bit more in depth in without, you know, spoiling anything, but just sort of that one last push. And before you go, I will mention that we're recording this on um, September 10th of 2021. And, and time is of the essence here because you have what? Uh, four days left to go right tuesday night september 14th yeah yeah so um time is of the essence here to to get here and 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 back this book so um yeah let's do that uh that elevator uh maybe not the elevator pitch like a a more formal uh pitch for this book okay uh so uh the crusade dracula follows dracula uh as he tries to collapse the ottoman empire at the end of world war one um, unfortunately, there is um, a mysterious supernatural being called the Radiant One who is on the Ottoman side and prevents him from doing so. So he calls up uh, some of his living allies, uh, James Fitzharris, who is uh, an Irish separatist, um, Faulkner Fitzharris, who is a retired uh, Royal Army sapper, and um, Mar- Marian Marengas, who is an Ottoman spy. And um, gets them to help gather information about the, the Radiant One so that he can figure out his enemy's weakness. Uh, in the meantime, he goes and looks for help from Shahrazad, uh, who uh, will give him the information that he seeks if, if he reveals um, 
why he hits the the ottomans to him um and then in the first first issue we kind of set up everything um in the second issue uh we sort of see um james and fagna as they go undercover in the royal army in arabia at the end of world war one uh, supporting the arab revolt and they're investigating the supernatural enemies um and the supernatural um effects of the radiant one's presence and uh in the third issue um Dracula has deduced the Radiant One's identity and um, they go to Istanbul to uh, defeat it. Very cool. That That's that's all super exciting. Uh, Joseph, I want to thank you uh, for, for being on. Um, I'll just take this moment to remind everybody uh, links to, to your social media and the Kickstarter page uh, in the show notes. Um, and again, um, we got uh, we got about four more days to, to, to act on this. Um, but uh, Joseph, you have a uh, open invite, uh, you know, more Dracula stories, other stories that you're writing, you want to come back, we would love to check in with you again. Um, so I'd like to uh, thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, Twitter is at Construct Compod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.